Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. All right, well, I told you yesterday that you're going to have to follow me on social media, send Jeff Blair to find out when Blair and Barker are on the air. And I wasn't kidding. We are live, Blair and Barker, the live pod, if you want to call it that, on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Hope you are enjoying your Saturday afternoon. The Toronto Blue Jays have made a significant free agent signing today, uh, signing left-handed pitcher Yusei Kikuchi to a three-year $36 million contract. Now, according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today, uh, the contract breaks down as follows. $16 million in the first year, $10 million in the second year, $10 million in the third year. Um, this for a pitcher who was 7-9 with a 441 ERA last year with the Seattle Mariners. Kevin Barker, kind of a tale of two seasons, wasn't it, for Yusei Kikuchi? Went to the All-Star game off a pretty good first half. Lost his spot in the Mariners' rotation. The Mariners, not surprisingly, turned down a four-year, $66 million club option for Kikuchi. Somewhat surprisingly, he turned down or he declined to exercise a one-year, $13 million option. And uh, here we go. The Toronto Blue Jays have another arm. A guy who, if you look at left-handed starting pitchers last year, had the fourth highest velo in the game. He's got a splitter. Seems like you need a splitter to be a member of the Blue Jays rotation right now. Kevin Barker, what do the Blue Jays get in your mind when you say Kikuchi? Well, look, what is the first thing I thought of when when they signed him, I'd, I'd rather have him making 28 starts and throwing somewhere around 160 innings than I would a, a Ross Stripling or an Anthony Kay or a Thomas Hatch. Uh, you know, he, he adds a whole different element to this rotation. Now, now you got some, you know, we, t- we talk about the Tampa Bay Rays all the time and how hard it is for offenses to match up against their pitching staff. Well, you can see Ross Atkins is starting to try and do a little bit of this. You look at their rotation. They got some different arm angles. They got a split finger. They got a change of speed guy. They got an invisible guy. Now they got a lefty sort of like Robbie Ray. You know, Ross was paying attention on what Pete Walker was doing with Robbie Ray last year that you can get through the American League East with two pitches you know Kikuchi's basically a you know let's let's see the velocity that's anywhere from 95 to 99 depending on how frisky he feels and that cutter you know he'll add a couple of other different pitches but it's mainly those two kind of pitches and if you're Pete Walker you're thinking already when I when I just found out that they've signed this guy now he's got stuff now we figure out how we can get him through an entire season you mentioned it, it it's a tale of two tapes here right he had a, he had a good start to his season he made the all-star team which was about his his first 20 starts he was really good his last nine starts he wasn't now you could probably say that was that had something to do with fatigue you know he went from 2020 he threw somewhere around 47 innings uh, you know you jump up that much to 120 innings and then you end the season at 157 innings that's a lot that's a big jump so you know Pete Walker's gonna do whatever it takes to keep him fresh and 
But, man, it, it, look, they got better. They got a lot better just with all the reasons I just mentioned. And this 30-year-old left-hander has some serious stuff. Yeah, he was 1-5 with an ERA of 598 in his last 13 outings, three of his final four outings. He didn't last over three innings. As we mentioned, he lost his spot in the rotation down the stretch. Kevin, I think the way to look at this is this is essentially a replacement for Steven Matz. Now, Steven Matz signed with the St. Louis Cardinals, four years, $44 million. He's another guy that Pete Walker refined. He's a guy, indeed, will tell you, has told you, along with Robbie Ray, that Pete Walker's the reason that they ended up getting uh, big free agent contracts this year. Right now, the Blue Jays' rotation, and this is the way we have it set up, would be Barrios, Gossman, Ryu, Manoa, Kikuchi. Now, you can you can fiddle around with where you want to put Manoa in there. That leaves Ross Stripling as the sixth man in the rotation, swing spot. Kevin, I think it also, in my opinion, I think it increases the likelihood that Nate Pearson starts the year in AAA with, you know, with, with a bullet start the year in AAA and, and get up here as soon as you can, or Kevin, or Kevin, maybe it expedites Nate Pearson moving into the bullpen. Yeah, it doesn't me. Nate Pearson's my hybrid guy of the bullpen. I, I want him coming out. You could tell last year at the end of the season he had some confidence. That's what Nate Pearson's issue has been, at least in my mind, the times that I've seen him. Forget about his injuries. It was about it's me against you. I got good stuff. I'm going to trust it. Let's see if you can hit it. And I think he found something last year. I think he's got that back. I think him and Pete Walker now are on the same page. They're healthy. They're in the right mindset. And for me, he's my hybrid guy out of the bullpen. I They, they have enough pieces to go around you got to remember jeff this is sort of a a shortened spring training there may be some mm-hmm. piggybacking going on with mm-hmm. this rotation and you may need a, a, a nate pearson to come in in the in the fourth inning and give you two innings you you're going to need a raw strictly to come in after a review through you know and it may be a second start gives you three and a third and he'll he'll bridge it to the sixth inning something like that there'll be some piggybacking going on to get these guys revved up to the middle of the season so they look like they're supposed to look at the end of the season and not me. The Nate Pearson being sent down, in my mind anyway, it's over. It's time for him to put up or shut up at the big league level. We'll be joined in a few minutes by Ryan Divish, beat writer with the Seattle Times. Ben Wagner will also join us from Dunedin. The Blue Jays officially open camp tomorrow, officially open spring training uh, tomorrow, as you no doubt have seen in social media. Uh, a lot of players are already there. A lot of players are, are already working out. They've had live bullpens, uh, live batting practice, sorry, and, and, and bullpens as well. This is the second full day since Major League Baseball and the Players Association came to an agreement on their CBA. We expected a free agent frenzy. It's been a little slow out of the start, Kevin. Uh, Carlos Rodon signing with the San Francisco Giants. He's a guy we think the Jays may have had some interest in at some point. Uh, I mentioned he is with the Giants. The Minnesota Twins made a nice trade, getting Isaiah Kiner-Falafa for Mitch Garver. They also got a minor league uh, pitcher in return uh, in in that deal. And there have been a couple of other moves as well. But for the Blue Jays, Kevin... This move, if you look at it and combine it with what they've done earlier or did before the lockout, they signed Kevin Gossman to a five-year, $110 million contract. They gave Jose Barrios a $131 million extension over seven years. They signed Yimmy Garcia uh, to a two-year contract at $11 million. The big story, or I guess the big question out there, of course, still remains 
what will the Blue Jays do in the infield? We fully expect them to add perhaps another left-handed bat or a switch hitter. We expect them to make a significant acquisition in the infield. Again, the caveat we put out there yesterday, no doubt you are all aware of that right now. There are border restrictions in Canada, so you have to be a fully vaxxed player to play in Canada, either for the Blue Jays or for another team. So you know, keep that in mind when you do what we like to do and get together and put all these, these fun little trades together and play fantasy baseball. Kevin, the other name we've heard is Jonathan VR, the Blue Jays having conversations with him. A, a switch hitter off the bench. He was a guy who certainly didn't impress you. He didn't impress me in a short stint here. He's what, been in five teams in the last five years. He was released by one team, Baltimore, after he had a season where he put up a war of 4.3. He's played at least 100 games in that time at second, short, and third. Uh, there seems to be some interest in the part of the Blue Jays there, but Kevin, I just see that as kind of a bench, a, a, a bench role. Yeah, if I, yeah, me too. You got to ask yourself. Now, now they're all in. All their chips to the middle of the table. Now they're, they're going for this thing. They're going to win the American League East. Do you, do you think you could win the American League East with John Fiar playing second base every day? Absolutely not. For me, that's a bench play, a bench piece. If Bo Bichette gets hurt, a guy like that could fill in, and and maybe you wouldn't miss a beat for a while till Bo gets back. Ryan Divish covers the Mariners for the Seattle Times. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Ryan, thanks so much for taking time out of your Saturday to join us. Look, we the Jays have signed uh, Yusei Kikuchi to a three-year, $36 million deal. Kevin Barker and I were just talking about that. If they get the guy the Mariners had in the first half, it's going to be a pretty good bargain. If they get the guy the Mariners got in the second half, or the Mariners had in the second half, uh, I don't know. What, what explains that odd season for Kikuchi? Um, yeah, I don't know. You're right on the, the value part. It's, I mean, it's not just the, the second half where he was bad. I mean, if you look at the rookie season, which you, know, you chalk up to converting over from the, the Japanese professional league where they pitch every sixth day, and even the 2020 season, he wasn't very good. And so you wonder, is the first half the, the outlier there? Um, it's just all about command. With him, look, look, the guy throws 95. He averaged 95 miles an hour with his fastball, left-handed. He's got a nasty cutter slider thing that he throws. Another, it's kind of funny. He has a, I think, a cutter that he calls a slider and a slider that he calls a curveball. But and he's got a changeup that he's been developing that was getting better. It's just like with him, it was commanding those pitches and the intent to command. I think. The Mariners got frustrated. He just nibbled a lot, you know, just was so inconsistent in the strike zone, never pitched with a lot of rhythm, you know, and that, that frustrated him. I think teams figured out that if they just kind of waited him out, they would force him back into the strike zone or, you know, he would issue a walk. And, I mean, and when he got forced back into the strike zone, he gave up homers at an alarming rate. You know, he threw hard enough and, and teams hit velocity. Uh, you know, when they know a 3-1 fastball is coming, they're going to hit it pretty pretty easily. And so I think that was the biggest problem is just the the command and understanding how to use his pitches and, and the the stuff and the velocity that he had. He just never figured quite never quite figured that out. I think the the power level of, of the American League was an issue. Um, I think he got a little gun shy in his first year just being around it, seeing number nine hitters hit opposite field home runs. And I think that affected him as well. So I don't know if that bodes well for pitching in the AL East. 
So sometimes guys need a change of scenery. Could he be one of those guys? Oh yeah, I mean honestly, yeah, I think that is. I think you know, I think with him, I think with him he really struggled with, you know, by the by the by the end he just kind of wanted to be done with it with the Mariners and move on and try something different. And I mean, the talent is there. And every pitching coach believes they can fix a guy, you know. Every coach and team fi- figures, look, if we just do these things and we teach him to do these things, you know, we're going to have success. And the raw materials that you're working with with Kikuchi, the fastball, the good breaking pitches, the improving changeup says, yeah, look, maybe we can harness this and, and make him into a pitcher. And the one thing is, is like if you ask around, he's like the hardest worker. You know, he he's very he's very detailed. He wants to work. He wants to throw every day, all these things. So it just was, I think, by the end, maybe the voices that were coming from the Mariners weren't the voices he wanted to hear anymore because he basically gave up $14 million guaranteed. And I guess when you have Scott Boris, you get $36 million guaranteed instead. Yeah, yeah, you may have touched on it here a little bit, but but if if you're a fan uh, just tuning into him and and wanting to see is there is there a certain pitch that you look for is it is is it his velocity is why he has success is it you know a secondary pitch and it sounds to me like when when I hear you talk that he that he thinks he has too many pitches sometimes you just got to simplify it here's my best too see if you can hit it is is that somewhat of what his issues are but on the flip side of it, it when he's going good what is that one pitch yeah, I think it's kind of that cutter that he throws. It kind of wipes people out. Um, you know, the fastball, you know, it's 95. It's a little straighter than some people think, but it does set up everything. You know, like if he if he commands this fastball and he's able to throw it for quality strikes, and that's just not down the middle of the plate, you know, then that's what you want. You know, that's that's then that sets up the, the cutter or even the curveball, you know, because you're ahead in the counts and you put – put hitters on the defensive the problem is he was always one and oh two and one two and oh three and one you know and that that forced him back in and then he became hittable and predictable and that's another thing too is like he just he he went full count to so many guys that you know his pitch count would get up and i don't think he had you know in the second half of last year i don't think he had a start of more than six innings but maybe once so you know and again like the new philosophy in baseball is to just give us five and we'll figure out the rest. But at times it would be five innings and it'd be about 110 pitches to get there. Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times joins us on Blair and Barker. Uh, speaking to a couple of people and, and today texting with a couple of people, doing some reading on him as well. Uh, people talk about him throwing a split finger. They also you know, ask the question. I think a splitter last year, I think opponents hit 176 off it, and he had a 39.6 whiff rate or something like that. But he just didn't throw it as much as a lot of people thought he would. Uh, any any explanation for that? Um, well, it was kind of late. It, so it's a, it's a, he calls it his changeup. He uses a split grip. And mm-hmm. um, he learned it from Hasashi Wakuma, who's – uh, a former Mariners pitcher who's kind of a special assistant. So they changed the grip up, I think, in the uh, by sometime in May. So he'd already made several starts, and so it was a pitch that he was trying to experiment with. He'd been throwing the, the circle change and trying to use that instead. Instead, they went to the split finger grip. And I think it registers as a split on um, some of the data trackers, but that's what he calls the changeup. But he'd only developed that and kind of used it late. You know, it was a mid-season pitch acquisition because prior to that, he'd been trying to throw a circle change instead. 
Yeah, well, in 2022, as you as you well know, c- covering baseball, you hear GMs talk a lot about uh, what kind of clubhouse guy are, are these players. T- tell us a little bit about what kind of person he is and, and how is he as a teammate. Yeah, his teammates loved him. He's super quiet, uh, you know, very eager to listen. I think that was one of his problems when he first came over is that he listened to too many voices and kind of forgot who he was as a pitcher. He'd take coaching from everybody and try to implement everything that they told him instead of just kind of sticking to what made him work. Um, but, yeah, people really like him. He's just – he's kind of quiet, but, uh, you know, just very uh, willing to listen and just wants to be a part of the team. You know, it's like – I think that's the big thing for him. You know, when he first moved over here, I think in a span of two or three months in his first season, he lost his father – and had his first child, and all while he was in, uh, you know, a new country trying to learn all the new things. And so I think that was pretty overwhelming for him at times. But, yeah, he was very well-liked as a teammate, very sneaky, good sense of humor, but, you know, just also an observer who likes to kind of watch and see what others do and, and try and imitate some of the things that they do. Ryan, in Seattle, he was the top of the rotation guy. He's coming to the Blue Jays. He'll be a four or fifth guy. How much do you think that'll help him? Uh, yeah, I think a ton. I mean, there were a lot of expectations when he signed. Um, and, you know, he was one of the few pitchers on the Mariners staff that had strikeout stuff. So, you know, they were looking to him to provide that because the Mariners had a lot of pitch to contact. Right? But I do think, you know, you get in there and, and you get in that staff, I think it helps him a ton. Not all eyes are on him. And, you know, you look at Ryu, that's a guy that he can definitely learn some things from in terms of finding success at the MLB level because it took Ryu a little bit of time, too, to kind of establish. I mean, I just – I think that these players, a lot of times, and it's not just, you know, foreign-born players. It's it's rookies that come up. They're just the raw power of these players now. And one mistake gets hit 500 feet or a fly ball will carry over the wall that's an out and triple A. I think that makes a lot of players change up who they are and they get a little bit passive. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing for you, say, is not having him be passive but aggressive. Ryan, before we let you run, you are lucky because you are going to be covering one of our uh, one of our favorite guys we covered last year, the last couple of years, Robbie Ray. What are people in Seattle saying about Robbie Ray? And and if you had a, I, I don't I, I don't know if you're at spring training yet. Have you had a chance to see him? Is he uh, anybody talked about a, whether or not he's throwing a bullpen or anything? No, we, you know I am. I've been in Arizona for a couple of weeks, but I have not seen him. You know, probably hard to miss with the tight pants and everything. But um, <laughs> we talked to him a little bit on. We we talked to him a little bit. Yeah, you can't believe the number of uh, female friends I have that were so excited about the tight pants guy coming to <laughs> Seattle. Um, but, you know, he's – I like, players were – I think players were pretty stunned because it just wasn't a move that was on a lot of the radar of, of the Mariners. I mean, like, I never – you know, when they were looking at adding a pitcher, I never thought it would be Robbie Ray. I didn't know that, you know, he would have that interest and all those other things. But you go out and you get the reigning American League Cy Young winner and a guy, like as I mentioned, the Mariners had trouble striking people out. That guy strikes people out. Yeah. And he brings a different dimension to their rotation, which is absolutely needed. Um, and so I think that, you know, it's, it's a big deal. We were talking to some players the other today, and uh, Mitch Hanniger was just like, man, he's like, yeah, I was stunned when we got him, and I'm really happy to never have to face him again. Yeah, listen, he, as I said, he's, he's a really good dude. He was one of our favorites. He was uh, extremely approachable and always cooperative. So 
Uh, Seattle's got a good one. You're going to enjoy, and you're going to enjoy covering him. Listen, Ryan, we really do appreciate you joining us today. Thanks so much. Stay safe and be well. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Take it easy. See you guys. Take care. That's Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times giving us a lowdown on Yusei Kikuchi, who just signed a three-year or agreed to a three-year $36 million contract with the Blue Jays. Again, Bob Nightingale reporting the breakdown. And I find this interesting, Kevin. The breakdown is $60 million in the first year, $10 million in the next two years. Now, we know that one of the things the Blue Jays are going to have to do in the next two years at some point, we anticipate there will be a big contract to either, uh, either uh, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., or Bo Bichette, or both. So this this gives them a little bit of wiggle room. As we mentioned, and as Ryan mentioned, uh, the Mariners had a an option on Yusei Kikuchi, four years, uh, at 60, I believe it was $66 million. And, It was, four, uh, they, four years, 66. $66 million, They turned it down. He had a player option for $13 million with the Mariners. And he turned it down. And, you know, it's interesting. When, when Before we were coming on today, I went and looked at some of the, some of the free agent rankings right, that, that different, different commentators had, had, had put out there. And there's such, there's, Kevin, there's such a discrepancy in how people view this guy. Uh, I think Jim Bowden had him in his top 15 free agents. I looked at other rank, rankings, didn't have him listed at all. Uh, the Fangraphs guys had him, like, at the bottom of their free agent rankings. But again, I think if you're a Blue Jays fan, the way to look at this is this is this is basically money that was going to go to Steven Matz. The Jays tried to sign Steven Matz. That didn't work out. And they've basically taken some of that money and put it towards this guy and, and, and hope that Pete Walker can do for this guy what he did for Steven Matz and also for the aforementioned Robbie Ray. Yeah, well, you listen to Ryan talk there. The, the, the couple of things that stood out to me is he seems to like he, other than he got tired, which is ultimately that seems what it, it was turning out to look like the second half. He just, he, he didn't have the, the, the bite and the location on his stuff. And when you don't have that and you're left handed, you're, you're going to get hit around a little bit. It just seems like he lost a little bit of confidence mm-hmm. and he needs to simplify things. You, you listen to Ryan talk there and he's talking about, you know, he, he, he would throw a slider to one guy and then he'd throw a, a cut that it looks just like a slider and then he throws a curveball and he's working on a split finger and where's he throwing his fastball that's just a lot like that's a lot to ask a guy to go out there and maybe comes here Petey different voice and that Petey can just say you know two fingers three fingers pick one of the three go out there and throw strikes with it and we'll see how far that that'll go I'm thinking of Danny I'm thinking of Danny Jansen talking about working on blocking balls using the, (laughs) the, the, the machine to work on blocking balls with Kevin Gossman splitting. Yeah. If, if the Jays get this guy to use that splitter, and that would seem to be what the the the, the driving the, the the reason for this acquisition. Not only does he have velocity, but he's got a splitter that a lot of people like. You know, Danny Danny's Danny's going to be he's going to be a bruised he's going to be a bruised little guy. He's going to be a bruised guy an awful lot blocking those pitches. Yeah, well, too you got to look at is he one of those guys that needs a personalized catcher? Does he have to have the same catcher Great all point. the time? If Great if he point. does, then who is that guy going to be and how much will that one certain guy help him and is even that a big deal? So there's a lot of little things go into it. I just think change of scenery and a happy go lucky let's go out there and get him team is going to give him a little bit of more umph, and he'll go out there and maybe add a couple more miles to the fastball. Better location, winning some more games, have a better lineup to back him up. Maybe it'll work out for him. Ben Wagner is the radio voice 
of the Toronto Blue Jays. He is in Dunedin. Again, this is Blair and Barker, a special edition of Blair and Barker, the Jays signing Yusei Kikuchi to a three-year, $36 million free agent contract, adding him to their rotation. He's a 30-year-old left-hander, did represent the Seattle Mariners at the All-Star game last year, was their only representative. But um, the second half just... The second half just didn't work out for him. So how is the acquisition of Kikuchi being greeted in Dunedin? What else might we expect to see from the Blue Jays in these next couple of days or indeed in these next few hours? Ben Wagner joins us next. This is Blair and Barker on a Saturday right here on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome to special edition of Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. Fan, the Toronto Blue Jays signing you say Kikuchi 2 a three-year, $36 million free agent contract. Joins a rotation that, as of this moment, uh, includes Jose Barrios, Kevin Gossman, Hyunjin Ryu, Alec Manoa, and uh, the aforementioned Kikuchi. That would appear, at least, to leave Ross Stripling and Nate Pearson. Ross Stripling is a spring guy, a, a swing guy. Uh, Nate Pearson, well, he could be a hybrid, or perhaps, I you know Mr. Barker doesn't like it when I say this, perhaps go down. Down to triple nope. A. Yeah, Barker does not like it when I say he that. He throws a hundred. Use him. Let's bring in the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner, who is in Dunedin. Ben, thanks so much for joining us. Look, we know that the Jays uh are actively looking to add another infielder. They're actively looking to add another bat. We can assume that they're probably always going to keep their eyes and ears open for for relief pitchers um are you surprised that they moved this quickly to get kikuchi no way i'm not stunned in the least and in fact this was a name that had been circling around camp the last couple of weeks and i've been in need this full time since the minor leaguers reported the major league staff and the the key components of the front office have all been around mark shapiro ross atkins mike Gurov, and joe sheehan and all, all the buzz was trending towards not only the CBA getting completed, but then the next step was a lot of activity for the Toronto Blue Jays and going out the trade market, yes, the free agent market. So this aggressiveness, this target specifically with Kikuchi, not a surprise at all. This is a name that really had been on the radar the last couple of years for the Blue Jays. They liked him, but over the last two seasons, watching Kikuchi – and in the Major League staff, since they've come together with Charlie Montoyo, Pete Walker, Matt Bushman, they really have liked what they saw from Kikuchi. So this is somebody that not only on on the data, the projections, really fits the mold of what the Blue Jays were looking for. He passes the eye test with what the Blue Jays have been able to put on him as well. So, uh, And we cannot forget just how great Pete Walker has been working with these guys and the Blue Jays to turn you know, lefties that have good velocity, 95, 97 miles an hour, and to take it to the next level with the fastball control and what the arsenal can be. This this is, this is was one of the top priority guys for the Blue Jays to go after this offseason, and it's another reason why the Blue Jays continue to push the envelope to go after 
priority people that they see can help this ball club get to the next level, and Kikuchi fits right in where they were targeting. Okay, Ben, let's be honest. His second half was atrocious. He had nine starts there where you know, I could have pitched better than he could have. Like it's the, 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 My question here would be a little bit is he, he's trying to bring that confidence, which is you got to think with him was not very good to the American League East and maybe a little bit reinventing himself. It sounds like he's got some confidence issues. Maybe he's throwing too many pitches. So you think confidence, simplifying things. In your mind, what do you think early on at least we could expect to see from him? I think I think it's not as big of a toolbox. That's that's what I think. I think they're going to try to take away not so many, not to have use the exactly what you said. They are not going to allow Kikuchi to say I need to use all of these pitches. I feel like they're going to identify the top three pitches for him to get out and and how it matches up against the lineups specifically this in the early going that he's going to be asked to face and then utilize those weapons and really focus in on them and, and sharpening the tools, if you will, during spring training. And, and that's the good news here. You know, the length of spring training will allow the Blue Jays to get these guys the reps that they need within some game activity and what they do on the backfields to really find out what they go before before April 8th when the lights go on. Ben, ben which other pitcher does this affect the most? I really think it affects Nate Pearson the most. Even though he's coming huh. to spring training, going to be stretched out, uh, they look at the depth of they, being the Toronto Blue Jays, look at the depth of what they continue to bulk in the rotation. Uh, one, where they're going and what they wanted to acquire with who they got now, kind of rounding it out. But also then, at the start of the season, there are guys that they're going to be careful with. Uh, Alec Manoa has been a workhorse. We know that over the course of his career. He, he has the swagger with an elevated pitch count every time. He, I mean, he wears his badge of pride. But Hyunjin Ryu is, for example, you know how he's going to throw it. Would you like to have a compliment behind him in a bulk role? If Ryu can go out there and get you four or five, now what do the next two or three innings look like? Can you give it a different look? Nate Pearson is that different look behind Hyunjin Ryu and totally changes you know, a one-two punch. That's where I find Nate perhaps being a bigger option and a better weapon. I don't think that they're going to stretch him out to put him in AAA at all. Yeah. Uh, I talked with somebody within the organization, and that person was adamant. If Nate Pearson is healthy and ready, he is a major leaguer. They're going to tell him he's a major leaguer, and they're going to give him the confidence to go out there and attack versus think about an inning or an at-bat that starts to unravel on him that may cost him his major league job and the next day end up at AAA. They want to take all that away from Nate, take the reins off, and just let the guy go out and try to be his dominant self. Yeah, I, I'm so happy you said that because my follow-up question to you was going to be stretch him out, and then you answered it by you know not not so much a starter, but could piggyback, could come in in some big innings and give you more than one inning, that kind of thing. But I, I, I'm so happy that they're just going to simplify it for this kid. We, we saw him in September. If he simplifies it, he's a two-pitch guy. The velocity goes up. Ben, he can be really, really good. He can be fantastic. He can be dominant at times. We've seen it at the major league level. It's been infrequent. It's been inconsistent. But Nate Pearson, when he is a power pitcher and powering down in the zone, is a different guy than somebody that tries to use a deep repertoire and elevate, uh, ultimately elevate the fastball because that's when things get really wild on him. And he can go out and be a difference maker. That's the bottom line. And with Nate, for me, talking with him just the other day, uh, he had a little procedure done to fix uh, 
what had been, you know, misidentified as a, as a sports hernia and then the groin thing and all, all, all that. He, he looks healthy. He looks thicker on the bottom half to get a lot of that generated power. And he threw that live batting practice session the other day. And for me, it looked like he kept trying to go downhill, especially with the fastball location. And for me, that's the best, that's the best Nate Pearson. Ben, before we let you run, uh, we know that the Jays, and this is only, what, 48 hours, a little more than 48 hours after the CBA was was agreed to. I, maybe even some more than that. I can't remember. It all runs together. But we know that uh, we anticipate that this team will add another bat. We anticipate that they you know, will continue to try to diversify their offense. We've heard of Jonathan VR as a possibility, a guy who is a switch hitter who can play a bunch of positions. I don't think that's... I don't think that's their marquee move. Do you do you still get the sense that the Jays are 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 looking to make a big move and add a add a big bat at the in 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 the infield? Yeah, I really do. Um, I and this is no secret here. Jose Ramirez is the guy. This is going to cost the organization uh, something. You, you know, whether it's somebody on the major league roster right now, if it's a big arm, if it's a prospect, it's some sort of package. The Blue Jays know that Jose Ramirez changes this batting order. It changes the dynamic of the clubhouse. Uh, it gives a switch hitting option. It gives a guy a third base. It kind of calms everything down, uh, especially with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., right? And mm-hmm. I was talking with somebody the other day. They think Jose Ramirez can take his game even to the next level by becoming a Toronto Blue Jay and just the comfortability where he doesn't have to be the overall man in this lineup, but he just falls right into that number two slot and makes this makes this lineup just uh, absolutely dangerous. So, uh, Jose Ramirez is one. I continue to hear good things and potentially uh, some desire to get Matt Chapman. You know, if you get Kikuchi, do you need to add another arm? Can you go after Chapman specifically? That would be, you know, somebody that plays elite third base, uh, has a strong arm that takes a little pressure coming on the throws, takes pressure off Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know, I think that that there's potential for a bat, and I know everybody wants a lefty down here, and maybe not on the diamond, but a Kyle Schwarber kind of fits in there Mm -hmm. in that bold. Uh, That's a name that I continue to hear kind of tropesing the backfields here in Dunedin over the last couple of days. So it's definitely not done yet, and – what the Blue Jays are looking at and really seeking are, are certainly some exciting players and exciting names. Ben, we are going to let you run. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Way to go, buddy. My pleasure. Take care, guys. So, yeah. Take care. That is Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Blue Jays. He is in Dunedin. Mr. Barker will be in Dunedin uh, beginning on uh, Tuesday. I believe we're going to give Mr. Barker the day off. Blair and Barker will be on from 10 to 11 for the next, uh, well, until until the regular season starts, at, at which time we will move from 10 to noon Eastern. Mr. Barker's going to be doing some reporting in Florida. He knows that. Yeah. Uh, while I take care of things at the mothership. But uh, so, so, Kevin, that that's interesting because we know that Ben's been there. We know the entire front office has been down there, and God knows they've had a lot of time to, to chat. And that is you – know, Ben's pretty clear that Jose Ramirez is the focus for this organization. That's no surprise. We've had people tell – we've had people in the organization tell us. And that this isn't I, – I don't think we're going to – this isn't uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? I, you know, I don't think the, the Jays are doing anything nefarious here or anything, anything illegal. This front office knows Jose Ramirez. Ross Atkins was the farm director when uh, Jose Ramirez and, and Francisco Lindor were coming up. Mark Shapiro knows him as well. Uh, he, he's a switch hitter who can play third base. He, he profiles perfectly in this lineup. And I, and I think, as Ben said, you know, the other names, Kyle Schwarber and, and Matt Chapman, that intrigues me because if you can't put a deal together for Jose Ramirez, if the Cleveland Guardians, Kevin, are holding out and, and asking for a price you don't want to pay, and if I'm the Cleveland Guardians, I'm, I'm shooting for the moon. Absolutely. With, with, with Jose Ramirez, maybe Pan plan B for the Blue Jays is, okay, yeah, we'd rather have a switch hitter or a left-handed bat, but, you know, Matt Chapman's going to give us gold-glove caliber defense at third base. That's not the worst thing. That's not the worst thing when you're building a team around pitching. Makes life a little easier for Vladdy. Makes life a lot easier for Bo. And you know what? Maybe maybe we figure out second base. Maybe it is an Espinal-Biggio uh, platoon, and maybe you go out and get a, get a Kyle Schwarber or somebody to, to, to give you that, that balance and, you know, figure out how you're, how you're going to use them. Yeah, the, the, if the Tampa Bay Rays have told us anything, you don't need seven or eight all-stars to, to win a division. They, they win it by having more than enough. More than enough is if one guy goes down that. Exactly, sort of what they're trying to, to build here in, in Blue Jay land. But the, the, you know what you said? I think you said this Friday. Is the Jose Ramirez thing makes too much sense? And you, and usually when something makes too much sense, it usually doesn't come. It, it, it never usually happens. And I think you just us coming on here and telling Blue Jays fans over and over and over again that. Jose Ramirez would be a perfect fit playing third and hitting second behind George and in front of Vladdy. Everybody knows that. And I just hope that Blue Jays fans aren't so disappointed and ticked off at the front office because they didn't go out and get Ramirez. They still have a really, really good team. Now they just need to fill in the blanks. And I think that's what they're trying to do because if you just sit down, Jeff, and you look at their lineup, say it the, the season started tomorrow and you had – Hypothetical: Grichik, Biggio, Danny Jansen, and Santiago Espinal hitting six through nine. Do you think you could win the American League East with those four guys? Probably not. So that that I, I think is way. what they're going to have if, to try and take care of. You know, you. you I was going to say if that's the case, if those are the guys you, I, you I end have up a, having, then I'm going to have to go out and make a a major acquisition at the trade deadline. You're going to have to do it at some point. You're, the way I look at this team, Kevin, either you make the major acquisition now and have the guy for the whole year, or you wait and do something with the trade deadline, I'd rather do it now. I'd rather do it now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to tip your hat to them. They spent like almost $290 million in the offseason. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like they haven't been spending tons of money to try to make this team better, not only for this year, but for years to come. And now it's just like when you take a step back, yeah, perfect scenario. Man, would Jose Ramirez look so good standing there. But what if it doesn't happen? Do they still have a chance of winning the American League East? Absolutely, because their rotation's better, their bullpen's better, their defense is a little bit better because they're a year older, they understand football, Work first jumps. They understand the league, the hitters, where you're supposed to stand. They don't always need the coach telling you that. So it's they're there now. It's just a GM and a president taking a step back, going, "Man, if I can just add that piece, and I can add that piece, and maybe I add a couple of more what ifs out of that bullpen." Now we're cooking with gravy. Cooking with gravy. I like That's that. It. 
Cooking with it's gravy. the weekend. You don't cook with gravy, though. You cook with fire. But, I mean, you're saying it's it's gravy. I know what you're saying here. I know what you're saying. Here. Absolutely. The uh, free agent period has been open now for a couple of days, Kevin. We talked about Sa- San Francisco getting Carlos Rodon. That's a nice piece of business for the for the San Francisco Giants. You know, Two there's for a lot 44? Of big... Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. There's a lot of big names still out that's there. That's a lot. Carlos, you think that's a lot for Rodon? Uh, yeah, look, I, I could just uh, – there, there's no chance that I'd give uh, Carlos Rodon, who you you got to think throughout the year, is it, would he give you 30, 30 starts? Two for 44 is two years of 30 starts. You think he's going to give you that? I don't. You know, maybe he'll be a little bit better in that bigger park, and maybe they can figure out ways because analytically they're a little bit more advanced than some teams, and they understand, right, you, you eliminate this, you throw more of this. Maybe that gives you a better chance to, to go a little bit deeper and have and you be consistently starting more games. But he gets hurt a lot. So, you know, $44 million for two years is a ton of money. The uh, Carlos Correa is still out there. Freddie Freeman. The, the Freddie Freeman market is, I, I think, the most intriguing non-Blue Jays story for us. Because I really thought that if Freddie Freeman was going to re-sign with the, Atlanta, with the Atlanta Braves, we would have seen it by now. Like, the fact that he is still out there, and the fact that we hear now that the Dodgers are really, really intent on him, maybe more so than the Yankees. Kevin, that almost that almost makes me think that that the Braves are going to let Freddie Freeman go or that Freddie Freeman is going to go to one of those, one of those other teams. And I don't know about you, man, but I, I, Kevin, I don't know about you. If I'm a Jays fan right now, like I've given up on Freddie Freeman coming here. That was a pipe dream. Anyhow, it was kind of cool. But if you can keep him away from the Dodgers, that's a win. Or, I'm sorry, from the Yankees, that's a win. If he goes to the Dodgers, like God bless you, Freddie, you know, have an MVP caliber season with the Dodgers. If he stays away from the Yankees, that is a that is a major major boon for the Blue Jays. Yeah, see, see, a couple of days ago, I, th- I thought the Braves thing was over for Freddie Freeman. I, I, you know, I think out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. I'm tired of trying to deal with this. And then you hear rumblings that they're trying to dump bunches of money in the first couple of years because it just sounds to me like the Braves aren't wanting to commit to six years. Jeff, yeah. let's be honest. You'd give Freddie Freeman a six year deal. It's just not good business. Nobody's saying that he's not a great player and he's not a great hitter, and he probably won't help your team like last year go win a World Series. Not Nobody's saying that. But what's that swing, what's that body type going to look like three or four years from now, and do you want a couple of more years of, of what that could look like? And I just don't think that, that the Braves want to commit to that. And quite frankly, they may have a little bit of a mulligan when it comes to winning the World Series that they quite frankly probably shouldn't have won last year. So – I still think it's a two-team race. I think it's the Dodgers and, and the Braves. Uh, you know, it's it's for me, I would think it would come down to what his family wants. If his family wants to go back home, it would probably be the Dodgers. If they like the Braves and, and they like Atlanta and, and they love playing there, then I'm assuming they'll go to Atlanta. Again, it is Blair and Barker, the uh, podcast, the live podcast, if you want to call it that, the Toronto Blue Jays signing Yusei Kikuchi to a three-year, $36 million contract. Kevin, as we wrap this up, found this intriguing little item uh, doing some research on Kikuchi. Hardest throwing left-handed pitchers with 100 innings in 2021. Shane McClanahan, Carlos Rodon, Blake Snell, you say Kikuchi. Pretty elite. Yeah, yeah well, you pretty know, if you, elite if you look that 
Absolutely. If you look that stat up, you know Pete Walker, that's the first thing he looked at. And the first thing Petey think, thought was, man, I got a, I got something to work with here. You, you already got the stuff. You know, I don't have to teach him mechanically how to add a couple more miles an hour to his heater. He's already got that. Now you now you sort of just give him little things to tinker with to make maybe make it come out a little bit more fluid. Maybe make the, the splitter travel a little bit longer to where it looks more like the fastball where he gets more swing and misses early and counts. And that way he can go deeper in games and those kind of things. I, uh, look, you, you, you can forget about what they paid him. Today, the, the Toronto Blue Jays are a better team than they were yesterday because of the signing that they made with Kikuchi. There you go. Barrios, Gossman, Ryu, Manoa, Kikuchi. That is what the starting rotation looks like now. Again, that's not necessarily the order, but that's what we have. Uh, that's what we're operating, the assumption we're operating under now. Ross Stripling, Swingman, and then and Nate Pearson, both you and both you and, and, and Ben Wagner are on the same page that Nate Pearson's AAA days are done. Nate Nate Pearson is basically they're they're gonna tell him to, in your words, go out and let it eat and uh, we'll find a role for you. And Blair, I mean, who knows? There, who there's knows? only Listen, so many times. I, I was going to say, who knows? There's only the way so this, many hundreds. The way you got this, your tank. Yeah, but I was going to say, and who knows how the schedule is going to is going to play out too? You know, you've got to at least assume. I, I mean, I hate saying this because you don't want. It's not like we're wishing bad health in anybody, but you've got to assume that at some point you're going to need somebody else to fill in one of those five spots. You're not going. You're not going the entire year with that same five man rotation. You're just not. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get fatigued. And they've got Nate Pearson there, and he's bringing a bringing a Hondo out out you know uh, out every every time you need him. Um, yeah, I, I think you made the point about Nate Pearson as well. Triple A, that that's done. We're not talking about a nineteen year old kid. We're not. It, it's it's time for Nate Pearson. It's time for Nate Pearson to be a major league pitcher. Period. Full stop. He's, it's that simple. He's not a prospect. He's not a prospect anymore. He's a big leaguer. Take him off the prospect list. Give him the ball. Tell him that he's going to come out and pitch when you tell him he's going to come out and pitch. Be ready from the first inning. And you know the 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 thing that I keep hearing from everybody I'm talking to is piggyback. You hear that word or those two words coming out of people's mouths because of early in the season, the rotations are just not geared up to give you six innings. So you may have to only give you, you know, 55 pitches. That's three innings. Who are you bringing in? The the one guy, you know, that third inning rolls around. That's about where the top of the order's coming. I, I wouldn't mind having a hundo coming out there, you know, <laughs> throwing that for two innings. That, that'd be kind of nice. That's my point is it's it's time to take the kids' gloves off with Nate Pearson and say, here's the ball, kid. Show us what you got. By the way, our friend Moon Juice on Twitter just uh, sent me a <laughs> sent me a tweet. Said Barker just said footwork instead of feet work. Hazel must have taught him some grammar in the off season. So there you go. You know, you know the listeners. You know the listeners are paying attention, Bark. Yeah, it seems like they only pay attention though when you say something wrong. I say a lot of good things too. You say a lot of great things. A lot of great things. I do. Listen. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, again, as I've said, our the show is scheduled on Sportsnet 590 The Fan from 10 to 11 in the morning starting Monday. Once the regular season starts, the J season starts, will be 10 to 12. Once the puckheads are done doing their thing, whenever the hell that is, we will be 4 to 6. It will be your drive show. will be your pregame show. And whenever Blue Jays news breaks, and I mean whenever it breaks, we'll be up on the air as soon as we can or we'll be dropping a pod. So if you follow me on SN Jeff Blair at, on Twitter, you'll know when 
and where you can hear us. Mr. Barker, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Safe travels to Florida, my friend. I look forward to talking to you down there. Want to thank Mark Boffo, our producer. Want to thank Tom Young, our technical director, for jumping in. We got a feeling the Jays are going to make a lot of moves this winter. This may not be the last time that we have to jump on the air. I hope it isn't. Fingers crossed. Give me Jose Ramirez, Mark. Give me Jose Ramirez, Ross. That's all I want. Good afternoon from Toronto.